Well, we've been this year since we cast vision on Sunday the 17th, that Sunday night as we cast vision for 2013. Um, we've been talking about living our lives, being aware of other people other than ourselves, being aware of, of the one that's out there that, that my life can touch, and one can be a multiple ones, but, but people that my life can touch and how to develop relationship. We've been talking a lot about that. And Wednesday nights in the last few weeks, we've been talking in the realm of foundation and laying foundation. And I shared with you um, five things that in, in this first segment of foundational teaching, I gave you five things that I believe every individual has to have established to have a statement of faith inside of them. Something that they believe in, something that they know, something that they have the ability to convey to other people about their walk with God. And as we talked about and, and over the, the last, well, I wasn't here last week, but the, the, the four previous weeks before, number one, you have to have faith in Christ. Number two, there must be an understanding of what true repentance is. Number three, the understanding of true baptism. Number four, the understanding of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And those four things should be established inside of a person who is born again and who is growing in the things of God so that they can explain to other people about what this born-again life is about. You know, people talk about being born again. And in Kerrville, Texas, if, if you just stopped you know, 25 random people on the street and ask them if they knew God, I, I, I would be willing to bet that all 25 would tell you that they know God. And, and you know, God's pretty broad statement. And there's a lot involved in who God is because God can be all kinds of things to a lot of different people. But you stop people and you ask them, are you born again? I don't necessarily think that every person would be. Or... Some people's response might be, well, I go to church. Well, uh, you know, th that's good, but that doesn't make you born again. And if you were to stop those same 25 people or a random 25 people and ask them, do you know Jesus Christ in a personal way? That's something even more. There's one thing to meet Jesus, but it's another thing to get to know Jesus and have a personal, intimate relationship, ongoing relationship with Him on a day-to-day -day basis. And so these things have to be established. You have to, you have to have an understanding of being in Christ and what that means. You have to understand what true repentance is, what true baptism is, water baptism, and then to be filled with the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand the person of the Holy Spirit. All these messages are online on our website. You can go there and they're, they're free and you can listen to all these foundational messages and you can also take people to these messages so that they can hear them. And I'm telling you, they'll be blessed as a result. And so the, the 
We've got three areas of foundation that we're talking about, and in this first area are these five subjects. And the fifth subject tonight is the importance of the local church. We talk about that a lot, but I'm just driving the point home about the importance of the local church and what that really means and what that really looks like. Because you can stop a random 25 people and ask them, you know, do you go to church? Oh, yeah, I go to church. On Easter and Christmas, I go, I go to church. Or I go to church or, or whatever going to church means, you know. Um, and, and, and yet, and yet, and yet, Jesus was the first person who used the word church. And in Matthew 16, he said, and I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Well, we've been talking about since the night we cast vision this year that God, God is building His church, but He's going to build the church with people that we make disciples of. The great commission was to make disciples. The great commandment was to love your neighbors, you love yourself. But the great commission was to go and make disciples so that Jesus can build his church with people that think like him. He's not going to build his church with people that don't think like him. The reason for the church is because God's in it. God is in the church. I've had people, and, I, and I'm, just, you know, I'm just talking real real to you tonight, but I, I've had people that have been a part of this place and didn't agree, came to a place where they didn't agree with the local church and, you know, get mad at me and accuse me of all kinds of things and accuse our church of controlling people and controlling people's lives. We're just here to disciple people with the Word. And I have a responsibility as an under-shepherd to make sure that your thinking changes from how it used to be so that you think like Jesus and you become a disciple of Christ and not a disciple of me. Because if you become a disciple of me, you know, I, I'm still working things out. You understand? You don't want to be a disciple of me. You're, you're going to follow my teaching because the, the scripture says somebody's got to do that. To whom much is given, much is expected and required of. So I have that much more responsibility to do it right. You understand? And, and I don't get excuses and all kinds of reasons why I can get away with this. I'll never get away with anything. It seems like everybody that I know gets away with all kinds of stuff. I get away with nothing. Nothing. Because to whom much is given, much is expected. You see? But still, you have to become a disciple of Jesus. Or it doesn't work. Yes? So... Here's just a few things, and, and I've, got a bunch of, I've got a bunch of different scriptures, but just a lot of one scriptures that'd be good for you to go look at and read. But for you to see that the church is important, you have to understand what the church is, okay? And to do that, you have to look in the Old Testament first, and, and there's, there's a number of different passages of Scripture that we could look at, but I'm just taking this one. I really like this. Look at 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 1. 
and I'm not going to get, I'm not, I don't have time to get into all the stories, so it'd be good for you to go back and read and, and get the history of, of, of where this came from. But in 1 Kings 9, 1, and it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and, king, and the king's house and all of Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Beware. Somebody tell me, what does that scripture say that was built? House. God's house. Right? He said, he said, he built this house for him to put his name on it. Solomon built this house to put God's name on it. And God says, my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Okay? Now, that's one verse of Scripture that talks, one passage that talks about the house of God. But I want the emphasis on the fact that his eyes and his heart are on his house. Okay? So, go to the New Testament. 1 Timothy, and, and we've read this a lot, you know, over the years. But 1 Timothy 3 and 15 says this. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the, say it with me, house of God. Everybody say house of God. House of God. Okay? That you ought to, that you know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. It's the pillar in the ground of truth. And you know, some people can say, well, yeah, but you know, I just don't agree with the church, or I don't like it, or I don't like this thing about it. Well, whatever. But it's the best we got. And it's not perfect. And the church is not perfect, but it's the best we have today. And, and you know what? we got to go with it because God said we have to go with it. And the way it's going to get better, the way it's going to get better is we come together as the church and be the church that we were created to be, the body of Jesus Christ. We become the church in a greater way than ever before by doing what? By being aware of the Great Commission. Not how great your ministry is. Not how great you and I are, okay? But be focused on what was great to God. What was great to God? To be commissioned. And He's commissioned us and how... Much of the church is focused on the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not just getting people saved, right? The Great Commission is going after the one and doing whatever it takes to make sure that you do your part. You may not lead someone to God, but you plant enough seed in them, someone else will pick the fruit. One will plant, one will water, and God will bring the increase. But what your responsibility is as you develop relationship is to duplicate the God in you into other people. That's the Great Commission. And that duplication process has been going on ever since. So, the house of God is the church. Yes? 
Then look at Ephesians 1. This is just foundation about the importance of the church. Ephesians 1 and verse 22. And he put, the Father put all things under his feet, Jesus. So the Father put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. So we see the house of God, that God's eyes and his heart are in it and on it. We see that the house of God is the church, which is the pillar and the ground of truth that does what? That that brings revelation to people's hearts and lives so that they can be made disciples and they can be making disciples, right? And then we see that the church is his body, which is the extension of the Jesus that left here. Now that extension is inside of you and I, and we've got to be busy doing that. Listen, the reason, and you're going to see this as as I just share these few verses of Scripture and line this up, you're going to see that the reason that most people have so many issues and problems in their life is because they've not been commissioned. This whole year at Gates is about being commissioned. Leave the comfort of the 99 and go and not just poke around looking for a one, go find him, put him on your neck and bring him in. And it's not about the bringing in is, is bringing into an atmosphere where the word, the church, the ground, the pillar of truth is being preached so people's lives can be changed. There's not anybody in the city of Kerrville right now that wouldn't be blessed if they had open ears to what I'm teaching tonight. Nobody. Nobody. Because it's the truth. And the church is something that God is passionate. His heart and his eyes are on it and in it. His heartbeat is the church because his heartbeat is people. You understand? Now, Okay, so I had had a few scriptures on this, but I'm just going to give you one and just take my word for it that there's more. Amen? Luke 4 and verse 16. I'm I'm just making a point, okay? This is just a point. Luke 4 and 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, And as his custom was, he went to where? Synagogue, which is what? The house of God. Yes? On the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So as was his custom, okay, you just break it all down. You can can take it or leave it, but when you break that down, it was his custom to go to church. Because what he honored... What he went there for was what was being spoken. Because the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. Church isn't the building, okay? The church is the gathering 
so that the gather, those who are gathering and have been gathered together can hear the truth and the truth will set you free. So, it was his custom to do it. So, we see in Scripture in Hebrew 10 and verse 25 that we should follow suit. Hebrews 10 and 25. Verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, how? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much the more as you see the day approaching. So, Jesus did it. It was his custom. I'm just telling you, we should do it. Can you say amen? Now, the verse I read in Ephesians 1, I want you to catch something here. In the rest of my message, I want you to catch this part. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 11. But what I just mentioned, in, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 11 and start with verse 27. But what I said in, 1 Corinthians, in, I mean in Ephesians 1... And verse 22, the Father gave Jesus, put everything under his feet, and gave him as, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Okay? So the church is the body of Jesus. And the difference in the body of the person of Jesus and you and I, I'm the church, you're the church. But we're the church. The difference now is he was one man, and what people don't like to hear is that we need each other. See, there's many parts. Hmm? There's, there's many parts, but there's one body, and the parts make up the body. So the church is his body. Now look at this verse. Therefore, this is the passage that we usually read the verses before. In regards to communion, Jesus and the Last Supper. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. How? By not discerning the Lord's body, by not discerning the Lord's body. Now, I want some answers. Just talk, talk to me, okay? Who is the Lord's body? Okay, and who are we? Okay, we're the church, and we're His body, okay? I'm His body, you're His body, we're His body. I'm going to say it again. I'm his body, you're his body, we're his body. Everybody together, ready? I'm his body, we're his, uh, uh, you're his body, I, whatever. <laughs> I'm his body, you're his body, but we're his body. Right? Now watch this. Watch what he says. Not 
discerning the Lord's body. Watch this. For this reason, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are what? Weak. The word weak there is powerless, sick, and many sleep, meaning they have no vision. Why? Because they don't discern the body. The body is what? See, when, when, when you talk about the cup, when you talk about the cup and, and, and the bread, like with communion, we think of his beaten body. But what he's saying here is we don't discern what the body and the blood of Jesus accomplished for the new Jesus. See, because now we're the new anointed ones. He's the big Jesus, we're the little Jesus. In fact, the scripture says that he's our elder brother. We're one with him. We, we, we're we're co-laborers with him. We're, we're equal partners. One passage of scripture says we're equal partners with him. God needs us to fulfill His plan in the earth, but His plan is already completed. We just have to submit to it. And if we don't discern the Lord's body, who we are, who I am, who you are, but who we are, if we don't discern that, then we stay powerless, we stay sick as a body of people, and we stay without vision. We're weak and no vision and sick and powerless if we don't discern the body. And see, so there's, there's people everywhere, there's people everywhere that think they can do this Jesus thing on their own. And they can't. And it's why people remain sick and people remain without vision and people remain powerless. No ability to accomplish what God created us to accomplish. But if we discern the Lord's body, and we, we discern the body which is the church, and we connect to it, and we learn to flow with one another in spite of each other, in spite of each other's ways, there's no end to what can happen. Because see, it takes faith to love people that are unlovable. And it takes faith to lay your life down, and lay your will down, and what you want, and the way you want it, and take up the good of the cause. And what is the cause? The cause is the cause for Christ, for the anointing. But when we don't discern correctly the body of the Lord, which is the church, when we don't discern it correctly, then humanity stays in that wicked state. Sick, powerless, and no vision. Amen? So, sounds like But it's not. Five things that I'm going to end with right here. Five things the church brings to your life. Okay? So when you discern the body, which is the church, it brings power. Right out of this verse of Scripture right here. Power. Five things that the church brings which is the pillar of truth, is that it brings power. 
Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You can do all things through Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. You can do all things through Christ who is your strength. Not who will strengthen you someday. He is your strength if you accept it and receive it. There's not anything that you can't do if God is in the middle of what you're doing. If you're allowing God to build the church and you're making disciples, then we, the church, become built because of the revelation that we have. He said, he told Peter, on this rock I will build my church. The rock of what? Revelation. Where does the revelation come from? From the word that is taught. Where does the taught word come? The Bible says it comes from the church. The pillar in the ground of truth. That's what that says. Amen? Number two, the church brings victory over demonic forces. The church brings victory over the demonic forces. Look at Ephesians 3 and verse 10. Ephesians 3 and verse 10, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified. The purpose is that through the church, the purpose of God is that through the church, that the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all of its infinite variety and its innumerable aspects might now be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities, principalities and powers in the heavenly sphere. In other words, the wisdom of God, which is the Word of God, is no match. The, the, the principalities and powers are no match for the Word of God. The revelation of the Word of God inside of somebody that has been created in the image of God and is born of God and knows and rightly discerns the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ, and realizes how each other, we need one another in all of our strengths, and, and a person that understands that and has that wisdom and revelation on the inside, the enemy is defeated. See, the enemy is already defeated, but he's defeated in your and my life and other people around us when we walk in that revelation. You see that? So the church, it's, it's God's purpose that this happens through the church. To do that, you have to discern correctly the body of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew 16 and verse 18, he's, he said, on this rock I will build my church that what? That the gates of hell shall not prevail against. On this rock I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. What the church brings to the table, what it brings to your life is victory over demonic forces because of the word. Amen? And also from 1 Corinthians 11, the church brings the revelation that by His stripes we are healed. The church brings the revelation of health and healing. And with the revelation of health and healing, sickness and disease has no power over us. It's what the church brings. Who's the church? Me. You. Us. Right? 
which is his body. The extension, his hands and feet and his mouth and, and everything that it releases throughout the planet. We're the church. And when we discern the body right and we discern it correctly and we connect ourselves to other people in the right way, and, and that's what local congregations are all about. There'll never be a worldwide church. It was never created that way. Book of Revelation, there wasn't one church, there were seven of them. Why? Because I liked one thing and someone else liked something else. There were seven different churches. There'll always be multiple churches. There'll never be a church meeting in one building congregation of people in one building because it's not about the building it's what it it's the vision we've been casting this year it's about connections it's about relationship it's about coming together with people and allowing the power in you to affect other people and the power in other people affect things in you it's the way it works fourth thing that the church brings to your life is authority Go back to Matthew 16 again. And verse 19. So, when we discern the body correctly and the rock of revelation of who we are, as the church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. It says, I will give you. Notice, notice you, can't, you, can't, you can't embrace verse 19 without embracing verse 18. Because verse 18 is where the power connector is. It's the church. He's the power source, but the source is connected to the church, and if we're over here building something to ourselves, or building something that is apart from the church, it won't produce, because it's not connected to the source. He's building the church. Amen? Say, I'm the church, and we're the church, right? We're the church. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's given us the keys of the kingdom. And don't forget this. Don't forget this thought. That nothing in the earth will happen without the church. God set it up that way. Why has it been over 2,000 years since he left? Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus left this earth. And he told his disciples, he rebuked them because of their unbelief. And he said, you got to believe. And he released them to go make disciples. And he gave them authority. And he's never taken the authority back that was lost in the garden. He gave it to man. And when people say that God's in charge of the earth, no, no. It'd be paradise here. If God was in charge of this earth, it'd be paradise. It'd be, it, everything would be perfect. You understand? The potential for, for, for perfection is here in the earth, but the problem is, the problem is that humanity hasn't discerned the church, the body of Jesus Christ. 
because we're to be walking in it. And listen, don't look around and say, don't look around and think about your neighbor and what they need to be doing. No. No, no, no. We've all dropped it. And, and I say that because I'm part of the church. See, I'm the church. You're the church. We're the church. I've chosen to take responsibility for what the church hasn't done. But I have, I have the guts to stand up here and teach you what I believe the truth is, even if people don't like the truth. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm not saying this about just about gates of the city. I'm just saying it about the church. The church is the answer to all the issues and problems on planet earth. It's the church. You say, well, it's God. Yeah, yeah. But see, God's already done everything he's going to do. And when the church operates the way they're supposed to, what will happen is that all that God's already accomplished, it'll kick in. The church has stopped it because we don't flow together. Amen? Number five, what time is it? 8.02. What does the church bring? Gladness. Psalm 122.1. You got it? A song of sense of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house, the church of the Lord. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Why? Because it's the pillar of the ground of truth. No other reason, because it's the pillar in the ground of truth. Because you extract the truth from the church, and it's just another meeting place. Ichabod on the door. Amen? Another gladness verse is in the early church, Acts 2.41. Just write that down and look it up. And then the last thing is, and man, I love this passage. You need to go, you need to go meditate on this. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Psalm 92 and verse 13. Psalm 92 and verse 13. Number six is manifestation. The church helps to bring about manifestation for your life. Watch this. Those who attend church, no, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish where? Out there. They'll flourish in business. They'll flourish in their ones and in their relationship and their connection with ones. They'll flourish in their anointing. They'll flourish in the courts. Everywhere else outside of here, when they're planted here, they'll flourish out there. That's, that's, what, that's what it says. When you're planted here, when you're planted, then you flourish. See? Now watch this. Verse 15, and you got that in the Amplified? Flip that over to the Amplified. Oh, there it is. Let's read it. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they, are, they become living memorials. Watch this. To show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. You mean people won't just believe that? You mean people won't just be, I mean, you can't just go tell somebody that God will do this. No, they've got to see it somewhere, right? And so you... 
and I are created, what the church brings to your life is that you become a living memorial to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. Amen? But who is that? The verse before, two verses before. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. They become living memorials to tell other people, that's you, right? Yeah. Say, that's me. See? That's us. Right? That's the church. That's what the church was created for. So what we've been talking about in the form of foundation is what's important. You have to know who you are in Christ. You have to understand. I mean, if you don't listen to any other message out of these five, you go back and download the message on true repentance. Something amazing about true repentance. It is so liberating to be able to repent. But until a person learns how to repent, they can't turn. See, because true repentance, you're going one way, and then you begin to turn. See, not just sorry that you got caught in something, or sorry, or, you know, showing no remorse, but just, you know, saying that you shouldn't have done something. But it's turning from that and really being convinced that what you did was wrong, so you stay away from it. See, there are all kinds of men today. I'll just say men, probably women too, I don't know. But I know that there's all kinds of men that are stooped in internet pornography. How do, you, how do you turn from something if you don't know how to repent of it? And how do you repent for something that you don't even know is the problem? So, so many men just justify themselves in thinking that it's okay. They can just do it. It doesn't matter. At least I'm not killing people. No, but you're destroying your life and you're destroying the people around you and you're destroying people even generationally. You don't even know what you're doing. That's just one thing. But you know what? God didn't hold that against anybody. He didn't hold it against you. He wants you to be delivered of it. That's why you have to understand true repentance. Man, to understand water baptism. Man, that whole thing we did on water baptism and the, and the people that were baptized in water came up out of that water with more revelation than I've ever seen people come out of water. Every person that we baptized in water on Easter Sunday morning, I'm telling you, came up out with dominion on their face. Doesn't mean that there's not going to be attacks and things that come, but I'm telling you, when you come up and you have that revelation, it's amazing. And then to understand the person of the Holy Spirit, and to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the benefit of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, until you've gone through difficult times and you've walked your way through it by praying in other tongues and hearing the voice of God and doing what God tells you to do, you've never known victory in your life. Because see, most people, they go through tough times and just whine and cry until somebody takes care of them. And I'm not looking at you, you know. We've all whined and cried. But until you connect with God and he sets and stages your course to walk through something, you've never experienced victory. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit has done for us. We're not here as orphans. We're not comfortless, right? And those are the things that we talked about in that message. And then tonight, discerning the Lord's body, which is the church, and understanding it correctly is what keeps us from being visionless and powerless keeps us from being powerless people and it keeps us healthy and whole.
Jesus' name, amen.